Chapter Six of Autobiography. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Recording by Vicki Rands. Chapter Six Commencement of the Most Valuable Friendship of My Life My Father's Death, Writings and Other Proceedings Up to eighteen forty. It was the period of my mental progress which I have now reached that I form the friendship which has been the honor and chief blessing of my existence, as well as a source of a great part of all that I have attempted to do, or hope to effect hereafter, for human improvement. My first introduction to the lady who, after a friendship of twenty years, consented to become my wife, was in 1830, when I was in my twenty-fifth and she in her twenty-third year. With her husband's family, it was the renewal of an old acquaintanceship. His grandfather lived in the house next to my father's in Newington Green, and I had sometimes, when a boy, been invited to play in the old gentleman's garden. He was a fine specimen of the old Scotch Puritan, stern, severe, and powerful, but very kind to children, on whom such men make a lasting impression. Although it was years after my introduction to Mrs. Taylor, before my acquaintance with her became at all intimate or confidential, I very soon felt her to be the most admirable person I had ever known. It is not to be supposed that she was, or that any one, at the age at which I first saw her, could be all that she afterwards became. Least of all could this be true of her with whom self-improvement, progress in the highest, and in all senses, was the law of her nature, a necessity equal from the ardor with which she sought it, and from the spontaneous tendency of faculties, which could not receive an impression or an experience without making it the source or the occasion of an accession of wisdom. Up to the time when I first saw her, her rich and powerful nature had chiefly unfolded itself according to the received type of feminine genius. To her outer circle she was a beauty and a wit, with an air of natural distinction, felt by all who approached her to the inner, a woman of deep and strong feeling, of penetrating and intuitive intelligence, and of an eminently meditative and poetic nature. Married at an early age, to a most upright, brave, and honorable man of liberal opinions and good education, but without the intellectual or artistic tastes which would have made him a companion for her. Though a steady and affectionate friend, for whom she had true esteem and the strongest affection through life, and whom she most deeply lamented when dead, shut out by the social disabilities of women, from any adequate exercise of her highest faculties in action on the world without her life was one of inward meditation varied by familiar intercourse with a small circle of friends of whom one only long since deceased was a person of genius or of capacities of feeling or intellect kindred with her own but all had more or less of alliance with her in sentiments and opinions. Into this circle I had the good fortune to be admitted, and I soon perceived that she possessed in combination 
the qualities which in all other persons whom I had known I had been only too happy to find singly. In her, complete emancipation from every kind of superstition, including that which attributes a pretended perfection to the order of nature and the universe, and an earnest protest against many things which are still part of the established constitution of society, resulted not from the hard intellect, but from strength of noble and elevated feeling, and coexisted with a highly reverential nature. In general, spiritual characteristics, as well as in temperament and organization, I have often compared her, as she was at this time, to Shelley, but in thought and intellect. Shelley, so far as his powers were developed in his short life, was but a child compared with what she ultimately became, alike in the highest regions of speculation and in the smaller practical concerns of daily life. Her mind was the same perfect instrument, piercing to the very heart and marrow of the matter, always seizing the essential idea or principle. The same exactness and rapidity of operation pervading as it did her sensitive as well as her mental faculties would with her gifts of feeling and imagination have fitted her to be a consummate artist as her fiery and tender soul and her vigorous eloquence would certainly have made her a great orator and her profound knowledge of human nature and discernment and sagacity in practical life would in the times when such a career was open to women, have made her eminent among the rulers of mankind. Her intellectual gifts did but minister to a moral character, at once the noblest and the best balance which I had ever met with in life. Her unselfishness was not that of a taught system of duties, but of a heart which thoroughly identified itself with the feelings of others, and often went to excess in consideration for them by imaginatively investing their feelings with the intensity of its own. The passion of justice might have been thought to be her strongest feeling, but for her boundless generosity and a lovingness ever ready to pour itself forth upon any or all human beings who were capable of giving the smallest feeling in return. The rest of her moral characteristics were such as naturally accompany these qualities of mind and heart, the most genuine modesty combined with the loftiest pride, a simplicity and sincerity which were absolute towards all who were fit to receive them, the utmost scorn of whatever was mean and cowardly, and a burning indignation at everything brutal or tyrannical faithless or dishonorable in conduct and character, while making the broadest distinction between mala in se and mere mala prohibita, between acts giving evidence of intrinsic badness in feeling and character, and those which are only violations of conventions, either good or bad, violations which whether in themselves right or wrong, are capable of being committed by persons in every 
other respect lovable or admirable to be admitted into any degree of mental intercourse with a being of these qualities could not but have a most beneficial influence on my development though the effect was only gradual in many years elapsed before her mental progress and mine went forward in the complete companionship they at last attained the benefit i received was far greater than any which i could hope to give though to her who had at first reached her opinions by the moral intuition of a character of strong feeling there was doubtless help as well as encouragement to be derived from one who had arrived at many of the same results by study and reasoning and in the rapidity of her intellectual growth her mental activity which converted everything into knowledge doubtless drew from me as it did from other sources many of its materials what i owe even intellectually to her is in its detail almost infinite of its general character a few words will give some though a very imperfect idea with those who like all the best and wisest of mankind are dissatisfied with human life as it is and whose feelings are wholly identified with its radical amendment there are two main regions of thought one is the region of ultimate aims the constituent elements of the highest realizable ideal of human life the other is that of the immediately useful and practically attainable in both these departments i have acquired more from her teaching than from all other sources taken together and to say truth it is in these two extremes principally that real certainty lies my own strength lay wholly in the uncertain and slippery intermediate region that of theory or moral and political science respecting the conclusions of which in any of the forms in which i have received or originated them whether as political economy analytic psychology logic philosophy of history or anything else it is not the least of my intellectual obligations to her that i have derived from her a wise skepticism which while it has not hindered me from following out the honest exercise of my thinking faculties to whatever conclusion might result from it has put me on my guard against holding or announcing these conclusions with a degree of confidence which the nature of such speculation does not warrant and has kept my mind not only open to admit but prompt to welcome and eager to seek even on the questions on which i have most meditated any prospect of clearer perceptions and better evidence i have often received praise which in my own right i only partially deserve for the greater practicality which is supposed to be found in my writings compared with those of most thinkers who have been equally addicted to large generalizations the writings in which this quality has been observed were not the work of one mind but of the fusion of two one of them as preeminently practical in its judgments and perceptions of things present as it was high and bold in its anticipations for a remote futurity
at the present period however this influence was only one among many which were helping to shape the character of my future development and even after it became i may truly say the presiding principle of my mental progress it did not alter the path but only made me move forward more boldly and at the same time more cautiously in the same course the only actual revolution which has ever taken place in my modes of thinking was already complete my new tendencies had to be confirmed in some respects moderated in others but the only substantial changes of opinion that were yet to come related to politics and consisted on one hand in a greater approximation so far as regards the ultimate prospects of humanity to a qualified socialism and on the other a shifting of my political ideal from pure democracy as commonly understood by its partisans to the modified form of it which is set forth in my considerations on representative government chapter seven view of the remainder of my life Recording by Tony Richardson Between the time of which I have now spoken and the present took place the most important events in my private life. The first of these was my marriage in April 1851 to the lady whose incomparable worth has made her friendship the greatest source to me both of happiness and of improvement during many years in which we never expected to be in any closer relation to one another. Ardently, as I should have aspired to this complete union of our lives, at any time in the course of my existence at which it had been practicable, I, as much as my wife, would far rather have foregone that privilege forever than have owed it to the premature death of one for whom I had the sincerest respect and she the strongest affection. That event, however, having taken place in July 1849, it was granted to me to derive from that evil my own greatest good by adding to the partnership of thought, feeling, and writing which had long existed, a partnership of our entire existence. For seven and a half years that blessing was mine, for seven and a half only. I can say nothing which could describe, even in the faintest manner, what that loss was and is. But because I know that she would have wished it, I endeavor to make the best of what life I have left and to work on for her purposes with such diminished strength as can be derived from thoughts of her and communion with her memory. 